You alright? My name's Paul, I've got autism and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works and I stick the videos on the internet in case you want to watch them. Or in case you're listening to the audio version of this then welcome on whatever platform they seem to be on these days. Anyway, what I want to do is probably the most serious video I've done to date. Um, definitely the most personal, um, because if anybody watched the last video I did where I spoke about whatever it was I spoke about, um, because it wasn't a video done for the day, I think it was autism burnout. Um, it was a video I'd done not long ago, but it was in a reserve just in case I didn't have time to do a video. And uh, I said at the beginning that I was unwell and I want to talk about it because I always said I wanted to be honest. I always I wanted to share a vulnerability side as well as a stupid side, as well as a attempted funny side, as well as a you know the the the, the want to be able to laugh at yourself. I wanted to do as many angles as possible because it isn't about just going. I have autism. Look at me. Look at what the world doesn't do for me. You know, it's it's more for you can't separate me and my autism, autism and me, you can't separate them. So what I do in life is by default autistic. You know, it is an autistic event. It does have repercussions where my autism will shine light on negativity where and positivity where other people may not even look for it. And uh, I want to basically talk about it because you know the the problem now in autism is it is such a divided landscape you know like autism a long time ago if you think about it you know the last thing you want as someone with autism is to be bullied victimized told how to think told what box you're meant to fit into say it's all right for you to be different, but then when you act different and it's different from what other people are willing to accept, then you get told to calm it down again. And, you know, that's not right. That's not fair. And the way autism is going now is there's division. You know, there's like people will say that they're all inclusive, we accept everybody, but then they'll still have a problem with if you identify as person first or identity first you know, adult with autism or autistic adult, you know, so whichever way round that is, some people take a, take umbrage if it, if it's said the wrong way to how they want to be uh, identified and that's fine, but it's down to the individual to raise that. You can't expect humans to guess over what could be a, an invisible illness, invisible condition, whatever you want to call it. It's not an illness. Um, I'm ill. That's why I'm doing a video and I want to talk about it. Um, you know, so there's that. That's a problem. There are people who will mix, you know, autism and gender. You can't separate the two. I am autistic and, you know, I am struggle with my gender identity and you can't separate them. And there are other people who say, of course you can. I'm autistic. I don't have gender identity issues. Therefore, they're clearly not linked. If you have, you know, uh, an issue with both, figure both out and you know then maybe combine them 
And there's people who uh, like the puzzle piece and there's people who like the infinity rainbow symbol. And there's just a lot of in-arguing, in-house fighting. And it's not a pleasurable place to be. And I'm not saying I'm the answer, <laughs> not by a long shot, but I don't do that. I tell you I've got an opinion and a perspective, and I'm allowed that. And if it clashes with your opinion and your perspective, that's allowed. That's fine. You know, it's it's not a problem, but and I just I'm I'm getting quite disillusioned with the way things are in autism, you know. Like when I was a kid, you know, life wasn't easy. You know, life was tough and now life isn't tough but may people make it tough you know yeah there are things that aren't in your favor things that go against your course but that that is life but you know i just think there's a lot of people who you know drama is for tv it's not for real life and some people create it and that's exactly what's going on in autism people are creating drama for no good rhyme or reason, because it's giving positivity to some and negativity to others. Let's just not do that because we don't need the negativity. It's, uh, but I'm sure that's a topic for another day. So um, the, what I'm trying to say is I'm making a very, very honest uh, video, and I want to tell you everything play by play of what's happened over the space of a few days. Uh, but before I do, just to throw in a little bit of comedic value if I can if uh, not that I'm funny anymore but uh I received an email from a, a grumpy goose who is angry at my descriptions because I have links in there to um basically you know sell my wares get you to buy buy me a speedboat and all that and obviously I, I don't you know if you actually look at it there's more things in there which I'm doing than I ask for I don't ask for money I don't ask you to do anything I just have it there in case somebody ever fancies buying me a coffee or throwing me £50,000 to buy a gold grill with. Um, you know, that it's just there because why not? You know, some people have said, I want to give you money because I like your music. It's like, go on then. You know, <laughs> you know the, the days of going, oh, don't be silly. Oh, no, no, no. If you want to give me money, by all means, I'll, I'll, but I will never ask for it. You know, didn't ask for it to uh, get me fence fixed, but people kindly donated. Uh, but anyway, back to the track of it. What I'm trying to say is this purse, this grumpy goose kicked off because I'd had all these things in there and then finished it off by saying, what next? Are you going to start making T-shirts? Yeah, I have. Look at this one. Older, autistic and unfiltered. Uh, so because I am an antagonist by nature and this person didn't need to have a go at me at all, you know, uh, but they did, uh, because they said, are you going to make merch or make t-shirts? I thought, yeah, I will. So I've made an account and I've made t-shirts that is in the description. And I just would ask you to go over and have a nosy at them and hopefully find them funny or just go, uh, I like that. Uh, you'd have to buy them, but you know, just go it just help with the traffic, I suppose. Um, give them a like, whatever it is you do on such sites. But anyway, let's get back to the serious, serious topic because as much as I want to talk about it, I'm noticed I'm eight minutes in, so I'm clearly trying to avoid it as well. 
So I'm not very well. Uh, that's just the easiest way of putting it. And I don't know how much you're like me, but I catastrophize everything, if that's the right way of saying that word. I just assume the worst all the time when I'm unwell. And I know a lot of that comes from my best friend who passed away age 32. He died of a condition he shouldn't have had. So when I get stomachache, I assume it's bowel cancer. You know, I just have this horrible dark cloud that just goes, say your goodbyes. You're not going to make your next, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the, the window going, I love this weather. I wonder if I'll see it again. You know, and I, I wish I wasn't like that because it, the, the stress and the anxiety it causes and the headaches and, you know, the sleepless nights, they're not doing me any good. Um, so what basically happened is I started feeling a bit of a discomfort in the center of my breastbone. Um, that was accompanied with shortness of breath. Um, so I'd go up the stairs and it was like I'd scaled Everest. Um, that was accompanied with what I am suffering with right now, and that is extreme dizziness. I am so dizzy right now. Um, so I did what you shouldn't do, and I typed my symptoms into Google, and I should have died a month ago. You know, it's just not good to type your stuff into Google. But I did because I catastrophize and... I just, you know, it's like, oh, great, I've got heart failure. Oh, great, I've got a brain tumor because I'm dizzy. You know, that's what the, the discomfort is in my chest. It's a heart attack. You know, I'm getting breathless because, you know, okay, if it's not my heart, then maybe it's my lungs. Maybe I've got like that um, idiomatic pulmonary fibrosis, you know. Uh, maybe maybe I've got, I don't know, a tumor. Maybe I've got lung cancer. Maybe... And I wish I didn't do that because of the stress it brings. It's like, you've got a few ailments. Let's get to a doctor. Let's get it fixed. Let the doctor make the decision. That's what they've trained for. You haven't. And um, I, I've basically been to hospital. So I want to tell you, and you're going to have to forgive me, but the reason I've detailed all the points of what's happened when I went to hospital is because I want to show you how trying to book a doctor's appointment isn't designed for an autistic person. How calling 111, and I'll tell you what that is if you don't know what it is in a second, how that's not designed for autistic people and how accident and emergency isn't designed for autistic people. There's such a lack of understanding because there is a lack of care. And it's not because the people who work there don't care. They just don't have the freedom to care. They don't have the time to care. You know, the underpaid, undervalued, short-staffed, and they're just going through the motions. So let me tell you basically what's happened with me so far. So on, like right now as I film this, it's uh, it's Tuesday. Um, I think I've got a fly knocking about. Uh, it's Tuesday. It is 18.13, okay? So on Friday, um, I wanted to talk to the doctor. Because in England, for those of you who don't know, because I know some of you are on the other side of the world, uh, we basically have, um, you know, you would go to your doctor first. If there's no chance of getting in at your doctor's, you would phone 111. 
and that is like an intermediary uh, where they would decide whether they can refer you back to the doctor or whether you go to an out-of-hours surgery because your doctors might be closed or whether you go to accident and emergency, which is where you would go if uh, you phone 911, I guess, and got collected by an ambulance. Um, so we have our doctors, 111 and 999 being the big one. And um, on Friday, because of the issues I've got, I wanted to speak to a doctor. Now, trying to get a doctor's appointment is impossible where I am. I don't know what it's like for you, but you have to phone from 8 in the morning. So you do, you phone at 8 in the morning. It's always engaged. And you finally get through at maybe half past 10. And they go, sorry, all the appointments are gone today. Phone back tomorrow. Now, I've done that every day of the week in the past when I've had like a, an inflamed throat, um, which is a common side effect of talking too much or singing my head off. And you know, I, I just can't get an appointment. And it's frustrating. And, uh, you know, I'm not good on the phone. I, don't, I can't do challenge very well on a phone because I don't know how to gauge it and I can come across overly aggressive or not aggressive enough to win. And, it, you know, you shouldn't have to tussle and fight and wrestle to get a decent appointment. But anyway, um, so I got to speak to a doctor who was being the triage for the day. They were the person phoning everyone. So they didn't have to do the consultations in the clinic saying, what's up? Do you need to come in or not? Um, and this person was just firing questions at me. You know, they weren't talking to me they were talking at me and i wasn't given the chance to respond so like i say i've got this ache here i get breathless i've got spinning head all they were bothered about was which one's the worst it's like well they're all linked which one's the worst the dizziness right so the dizziness is worse than chest pain you asked me to choose, don't make it an argument. You know? So it was horrible because I was phoning someone to reach out for help and they just basically barked at me, which didn't feel nice. And then even after, at the end of it, they basically said, regardless, you need to do a PCR test, which is doing your normal COVID test, for those who don't know, but it's the one you order from the government website. It arrives and you send it back off and it gets tested at a, a government lab to tell you whether you've been um, positive or not for COVID. So they sent me the PCR. So I did that, sent it back. It came back negative saying I've never had COVID. And they told me to phone back. I tried phoning back and guess what? On the Monday, nobody would answer. And when they did, there was no appointments. And they told me to phone 111, which I did. And 111 said, oh, we'll get you a callback appointment from your surgery. It's like, well, why do you have appointments for my surgery? But I phoned my surgery and they said that there isn't any appointments left. And I just, it just blows my mind that there's this weird little game going on. And uh, I waited all day for this call to come from the doctors and it never arrived. So I phoned the doctors before they closed and said, where was my phone call? And they said, oh, no, it's any time in the next three days. So oh, this isn't what you said, you know, I'm already scared. I'm already panicked. I'm already thinking I've got heart attack, heart failure. Um, like I say, farmer's lung that I've got, <coughs> you know, some sort of 
um, mesothelioma, you know, some sort of anything that's non-curable. It's always what I think. Um, but they basically said, you know, if it uh, call back in the next um, call back if it gets worse. It's like it's too late, you know. Um, but then later in the evening, my ankles swelled up which they have done, like last year, they swelled up every day of summer. I had these big fat cankles. Um, I just put it down to the heat, you know, and um, phoned 111, told them about the ankles, and this person on the other end was like, look, the symptoms you've told me, um, that means we'd have to send an ambulance out. Are you sure you're correct? You're like, I'm not making this up. You know, and it's like, it's impossible to get a doctor's appointment. So you go down the next available route because you're trying to not clog up, you know, the health service and you just get challenged and questioned. And it's like, I am not making this up. My ankles are fat. I can't get socks on. Yeah, they're fat. You know, and it was like, um, you know, don't send an ambulance. I just want to talk to someone. And that was all I was after. I just wanted to talk to someone who was going to listen to me, who's a medical professional, so I could run a few things by them and they could ask me the relevant questions. You know, I'm not there to have a chat or go, oh, I'm really worried about this. I just want to say, this is a symptom. So is this, so is this. Could it be this? Could it be this? Could it be this? And let them ask me the proper questions so I shut up. But, you know, it was like, they finally said that they would get the out-of-hours GP to phone, you know, the GP when your GP's closed. And they would phone in the next two hours. And they phoned after two hours. And this is late now on, on Monday night. Um, and they basically said, what's that? Swollen ankles, get to A&E. So I had to go to accident and emergency um, at midnight on Monday. Okay? So... This is where I've really written it down to sort of start detailing to tell you the painstaking process all this was. So I get there at midnight. I had a COVID test straight away. And that was horrible because they really do stick the cotton swab to the back and through your nostril and you feel it hit the wall inside your skull and you're like, eh. it was horrid, horrid. Um, so they did the COVID test. They took blood. Um, but they didn't say why. They did my blood pressure and they put a heart trace monitor on um, to sort of just see my base heartbeat, I suppose. And uh, they've shaved two bits there in my chest hair, this line under there. I have these stickers on my wrists. I had a stickers on my uh, fat ankles. Um, and they did all of that within the hour. So it was like, this is really efficient. You know, I'm, I'm feeling better that they're actually doing some checks. I appreciate this. But I got there at midnight. Everything was done by one. And then at some point, I think it was about three, half past three in the morning, they said, this, this thing came over the tannoy going, there is a six-hour delay. It's like, what? There's another six hours? That on top, it's three and half three in the morning, so I'm not going to get seen till nine in the morning. What? So I went and asked, well, what's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, you got here at midnight, so you'll be seen at about 6.40. It's like. Still a long way to go, you know, and I was, I'm tired because I, I got up at like half past seven or eight o'clock safe, just for argument's sake. I got up at eight in the morning 
and I'm and three in the morning. I'm you know in this place. I'm usually well in bed by then, you know, and I'm feeling tired. I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm surrounded by people who are ill, uh, people who don't look ill. They're in accident and emergency. I was there because my heart was causing a problem, and these people are sat there watching things on the mobile phone with the music blaring out in A and E. So disrespectful, some people, and um, it just wasn't. A nice experience. So I'm sat there thinking, right, 6.40, someone will see me before that time, get the ball rolling. Long time to wait. Someone actually saw me at 9.10. So, you know, from 1 in the morning till 9.10, for 8 hours, 10 minutes, I was just sat there with everybody else because there wasn't one member of staff shouting anybody in to do anything. The most that happened was people got seen when they were first admitted to take their blood pressure, give them a COVID test, take some blood, whatever. But no consultant saw anyone within that time period. How do I know? Because I was sat in the waiting room wide awake. 9.10 came around. And I'm, you know, and then the receptionist said, "Yeah, the consultants for the uh, GPs out of hours, they're all on now. So this is this is what gets the backlog done. Don't ever come in the night again because you never get seen. It's always best to come in the mornings. That would have been great to know this too. So everybody was getting the name called, and and they were got they were getting given a time and a room to go and see these out of hours GPs. I didn't." Instead, me and this other person get shouted through and there's somebody already waiting in a wheelchair, this old man, and we all get told we have to go to a place called the um, Ambulatory Care Unit. Oh, what's that? And this nurse taking us down just wasn't bothered about talking to us. It was a case of, right, you know, fall in line, form a train, we're going down. Have you got your wristbands? Why? Why would I need a wristband? Like, well, it, it's for the uh, it's for the consultant to decide whether they're going to discharge you or keep you in. You know, I'm panicked. I'm scared. I'm like, you know, where have you been all these hours? And what do you mean, stay in? You know, surely I could have been admitted a lot earlier and gone to sleep. You know, I'm panicked. I'm tired. I'm scared. I think I'm dying. What's going on? Um, and I ended up walking all the way to this ambulatory. A care unit and then this person in there this nurse she was really nice and she took that my height she took my weight she did my blood pressure again she did a blood sugar thing where she bit my finger you know with a little not with the teeth with a little grippers and took some blood measured that she said, that was fine because nobody was telling me if anything was fine when they took the the blood pressure in the first the first time and when they took blood and did the uh the heart trace no one said if anything was good or not. But then this lady was like, oh, your blood sugar's fine, love. Your blood sugar's fine. And that felt a bit better, you know. Um, and then I had to wait for what was called an advanced practitioner. Who's, so you've got your nurse, you've got your consultant, the advanced practitioner sits somewhere in the middle. And when they shown up, they went, right, Paul, what's wrong with you? And it was like, I've been sat here waiting from midnight until half past nine in the morning for someone to actually talk to me and ask me what's wrong. And it just shouldn't be that way. 
and I got to say about my heart beating, what I appear to be fast or skipping beats and of this irritation, pain, ache, whatever, um, you know, dizziness, shortness of breath. And we just got to bat a few things around. And, you know, I said, and, you know, she basically booked uh, another blood test, which was great. Um, and basically start to see what was up. And it was just a nice feeling because from Friday night, <laughs> when no, when this person was barking at me, all the way through to Monday when people still weren't listening and sort of sounding threatening that, are you sure that are you sure, are you sure they're your answers because that triggers an alarm, an ambulance? Are you sure? You know, all of that to then doing really well, getting everything sort of checked in an hour, then but then having to wait for over eight hours just to speak to someone. It felt so nice to be listened to. And when did that disappear? This is your health. You care. They don't because they haven't got the time to care because everything's so against them, you know? And it's, it just wasn't nice to realize that it took all that time and all them days for someone to actually talk to you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she was nice. She spoke to me. She asked me the questions. I told her about the pain or the discomfort. Cause you have to be so careful with the words you use. And I said, all right, it's not pain. It's ache. It's discomfort. Um, it's not sharp. It's not sudden. It doesn't feel like someone's stabbing me. It's not extreme. I don't feel it crushing. I'm not having a heart attack, you know, even though in my head I thought I was. Um, and she listened to my chest because I asked if she would, and she said there's no cackling or cracking, which is a good sign. But she thought it would be viral, what's going on with me, because I, I had a sore throat for a couple of days, I had a bit of a drippy nose, nothing extreme, but because I've got this general unwell sense about me and a spinny head, it was like, you know, it sounds viral, but um, because it, if it was something worse, then it would there be blood there'd be hemorrhage there would be something stopping you doing your normal function like you wouldn't be able to go to the bathroom as normal you would be vomiting there would be blood in your vomit so what i what i found from that and what i found from what someone said a long time ago uh i i don't need to know what's wrong sometimes i just need to know what it isn't you know when i had this pain in my side years ago um you know, I had a camera shoved up where no man should ever have a camera shoved and um, MRIs, scans, the works. And then the doctor at the time, uh, a Dr. Booth, he said, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you what it isn't. It isn't cancer. There are no tumors. There's no kidney stones. There's no, you know, and he went through this list of everything I was petrified of. And it, at the end of it, it was like, right, so I've just got this pain. Cool. I'll live with it. You know, and that was kind of what I was, I was um, looking for with this person be, for being able to rule things out. You know, so she ordered up uh, more blood um, and a chest X-ray, uh, but I'd have to wait till the afternoon to hear because the consultant has to give the results. So, you know, I was getting seen um, and carted off from like half past nine. You know, and I went, I, I had to sit in a wheelchair and get pushed down to X-ray. And I wasn't there two whole minutes and it was done. 
like literally from the chair being stopped, me getting out, standing in a room, then pressing a button when I was breathing in and had my arms on me, hands on my hips and all this lot. Less than two minutes and I was back. And I said to the guy, why didn't they do this before? Why, why did I wait all this time? Why, if they knew that nobody was going to come and talk to me about any of this until the new shift came on, why didn't they tell me to go home and come back? I could have gone to sleep. And he was on my side, but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> not always that easy, is it? Um, but, you know, the, the problem with the blood, <laughs> like I'm petri- I'm a needle phobe. I hate needles so much. It's like someone sticking a drain pipe in my arm. It just feels heavy and painful and sharp and gross. But they took the blood the first time from my left arm uh, they tried the second time with my right arm and no blood had come out. So they had to go back into my left arm where they took the first blood from. So that was a bit tender. So I didn't didn't like that. Um, you know, and the thing is I was scared and I was petrified of bad news. And I'm in this room in the ambulatory care unit and I still didn't know what ambulatory was. And I knew that everything I was Everything was done at 10 o'clock and I wasn't getting to speak to someone until the afternoon. So I'm just sat in this room with nothing to do, no phone signal, no internet signal, just something for a distraction. And instead, I'm just sat there going, right, well, it could be this, right? It could be that. Well, if it's this, there's no way back. Well, if it's that, there's nothing I can do about that and I'm going to die. And oh, if it's this, I'm probably never going to go home again. You know, and that was the crazy thing. I was actually... When I was leaving the house, I was looking at stuff going, this will be the last time I see any of this because I'm going to get admitted to hospital. I'll be put on an iron lung and I'm going to die. Honestly, the uh, the crippling that does to my mindset because I always assume the worst and I've got no control over it. It's horrible. It's kind of like I need to become a medical practitioner to calm myself down. Hmm. Um, but... You know, at this point, I'd been awake for, when all this was done, I'd been awake for 26 hours and 20 minutes. So I was very tired. Couldn't sleep on the seats in the waiting room because they were there as the deterrents for stopping homeless people sleeping on them. So they were so uncomfortable. My backside is numb right now from sitting on those seats. Um, you know, there were tight spaces, so you couldn't exactly put your head back and close your eyes. and because the backs were really low. It was just horrible, and I was shattered. And one person had talked to me in all that time. You know. Um, but then from 10 in the morning till quarter to, no, till 10 to 2, nobody spoke to me. So there was no updates. There was nobody saying, hi, Paul, just to let you know, we've got the results in, but we have to wait for the consultant. All right. Might be here about 1 o'clock. There was just none of that. You know, and I'd asked a couple of people, is there any way you can get an update? Oh. And they never did. And then this uh, this nurse came in and just basically said she knew I'd been there from accident and emergency from midnight. So she'll make sure that I'm the first one seen when the consultant comes. Uh, the consultant should have been there at one and they still weren't there at two. You know, so I'm very, very tired. <laughs> um and then the consultant finally came in, this guy called Khalid. And just almost like straight away, 
you know, bear in mind, I'm there going, I'm dying of this, I'm dying of that, I'm dying of everything. It's every disease. It's going to be a brand new one, and it's going to be called Paul Syndrome, and, you know, that's how the world will recognize it. He just came and he goes, your uh, bloods were fine, your um, blood pressure is fine, because I'd had that done like three times at this point. Um, you know, I just basically went through the list of everything that I'd done, your... Uh, your heart trace was fine. You know, the first blood test was fine. The second blood test was fine. Uh, everything is looking as it should be, but we have this problem. You know, and he kept going to my ankles because they were swollen. They still are. They're chunky ankles right now. Could give an elephant a run for the money. Um, and he's just like, look, the only thing we haven't explored is whether you have a weak heart. And that's what I think you've got. Okay. It says because a weak heart can cause this edema or this fluid, you know, in your ankles. He says it's unusual to see it in someone of your age. You are a bit young. So you could have a weak heart. You know, my mum has got a weak heart, uh, which was like caught two or three years ago now. So, you know, hereditary is a. You know, yeah, I get baldness and I get a, a weak heart. So he basically said he wanted to take more blood. So that was three injections in one arm to withdraw blood, and they got more and more painful each time for a needle phobe like me, which was horrible. Um, and he said, and then you can go home. And I could have cried because I'm in a place I don't know surrounded by people I don't know in a setup I don't know in an ambulatory care unit and I don't know what that means there's no one to update me so I'm out of the loop on any sort of information and it's my health and that we're talking about and nobody had updated me all the way through it people had been ignorant and just not told us how long things would be even at a guesstimate that would have helped so I really suffered, you know, the autism parts of me suffered to, I was just, I was so broken down, like what an ordeal all of this is. And I was feeling tired, you know, and obviously I was very tired because, uh, you know, all in all, I spent 20 minutes with healthcare professionals and I was there for a total of 15 and a half hours. You know, or uh, at the time I'd been awake for 31 and a half hours and I'm still awake now. <laughs> Very tired. Um, and I'm that tired. I've just, my phone made a noise and I realized I didn't put it on silent, but whatever, we're keeping it in. This is a longer video because I'm being open and honest with you. Um, you know, but basically what I'm getting at is this uh, this guy wanted to draw bloods, the yellow top bloods for your heart, uh, and wants me back as an outpatient to have a, an echocardiogram. Because he said, even though your heart is showing it's absolutely fine, there might be an issue with how the blood is getting in and how it's being distributed and the way your you know, ventricles are, are operating. And he says, you know, but a weak heart, yeah, it might be weird for someone of your age to have it. It's usually found in older people, but... It's more than manageable, you know. You've got water retention in your ankles. You've got this edema in your ankles. It could just be a case of having water tablets for your heart daily, you know, just to 
get rid of it. You might need some steroids. You might need, you know, it just it, it monitored. You might need to have these cardiograms on a regular basis, you know, but your heart is a muscle. So exercise, don't be afraid to exercise just because you feel you've got this so-called congestion that isn't there. And, you know, and, and to be honest, you know, when he said, you know, another thing to do is lose weight. It's like, I know, I know I've got to lose weight. But when I was actually being weighed, I, you know, I, I, when I, what I do is if I'm on a diet, <laughs> like I assess my weight with how my clothes feel rather than a number on a scale. But I looked down and there was this number and uh, I'm not afraid to share it with you. So it was, I've got it all, 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 all of it written down here. So it settled at 118.8 kilograms, which is 18.7 stone or 262 pounds, give or take. Now, I did not know I weighed that much. My resting weight when I'm sort of at the heavy end is 17 and a half stone. So the fact that I'm 18 stone seven isn't really a good thing. Um, you know, when I've been a good boy, I usually fluctuate and sit. Well, this hasn't been for a few years, but 1610 is the highest I usually get to. And then through the week by behaving, it drops down to about 16.3. That was just a pattern I used to have. Um, so, you know, if I do have a weak heart, which is what it's looking like, I actually wasn't, uh, it didn't affect me when he said it. You know, I was thinking, oh my goodness, a weak heart, I'm going to die. I didn't. It was kind of like, I've got an answer. I've got an answer. It's not a good answer, but it's, a, it's an answer. My heart works. It just might be weak. You know, it just might need strengthening. I might just need to eat nuts, avocado, salmon, you know, things to strengthen it. I might need to stay away from eating all the chocolate and crisps in the world, you know. Um, maybe go on a longer walk or walk faster, you know. Uh, just something. I, I need to turn it around so I'm going to because you only get one heart. And it'd be very foolish to not treat it properly, you know. But then I get, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed because, yes, I'm, you know, 262 pound, but I'm six foot one. I'm a stocky guy. And then there are shows like My 600 Pound Life and the drinking buckets of gravy. And the only health problem they've got is they might need a sleep apnea mask. And here's me at 262 pound you know, pounds with a potentially a weak heart. So yeah, I've uh, I've had a horrible, horrible, horrible time. And I woke up on Monday at about 8 a.m. in the morning. I have had zero sleep. I've had two cups of coffee and it is now 18.41 on Tuesday. <laughs> So, um, you know, in an hour and 19 minutes, I'll have been awake. What's that? 36 hours. My mass is off. I apologize, but I am very tired. But what's crazy is it sort of in the night, it got to about four in the morning and I was thinking I am shattered now. I really want to go to bed. I'd love them to just come out now and go, Paul, you're absolutely fine. Go home. And then I could have got home got in the covers while the birds were singing and the day's trying to break. I could have stuck on a sleep mask and I would have slept like a baby. 
But here I am, you know, came home. And um, if you're squeamish, look away now, because I'm going to show you my arm, <laughs> where I had three lots of blood taken from. I think they either used a garden hose or a javelin, um, because ugh, look at this. Look at that. That's horrible, isn't it? That horrible reaction from three needles. Um, I, I did have a pinprick in the middle of that arm, but you'll never see it. Um, but that's just just wouldn't bleed. Um, so yeah, you know, I got home and uh, <laughs> it's going to sound terrible, but I got a McDonald's, you know, on the way back because I'd not eaten from you know maybe tea time or maybe seven p.m. on the Monday, and I'd gone all the way to seven a.m. all the way around to four p.m. and hadn't eaten anything, you know. Um, so it was. I was hungry and I just wanted to sort of think about something and yeah, so I've got to wait now potentially six weeks for uh, an outpatient's echocardiogram. Um, and now I've got to think about my weight. I've got to think about my general eating habits and my overall general health because, you know, I, I'd started rowing. I had a plan for, for rowing. Um, and I need to get back on with it because like the guy said, your heart is a muscle. You have to exercise your muscles for them to work properly. And uh, the only way to strengthen a weak heart is to exercise it. So I've, I've got to do it anyway. It will be one of, if I do have a weak heart uh, when I have this echocardiogram, then one of the uh, remedies is I have to exercise more. So yeah, that's why I was ill. Um, that's why I didn't do a video. Um, so what it means for now, you know, I've, I've got a lot to think about. Um, you know, it's, it just shown how trying to book a doctor's appointment isn't autism friendly. There needs to be another outlet. We can't just pick a phone up with everybody else and try to barter our way into a, a doctor's appointment. You know, some of these, screens don't just automatically flag up that you're autistic and need a double appointment, for example, or you, you, you know, you might have someone with you who can talk for you and you still have to go on the phone and go, you know, is it all right for them to speak for you? Yeah. You know, you still got to do things like that. And there needs to be a, a corrective measure for that. It's unfair to have to do that every single time. You wouldn't have somebody attend a doctor's surgery, which had steps going up to it. And one day you make sure you've got a ramp uh, for persons with mobility issues. And then the next time they want to come, just whatever, we'll just keep the stairs, you know, and make out that it's a problem that they can't walk rather than that we don't make a, a reasonable adjustment. So I found that trying to book a doctor's appointment when you're low, when you're anxious, when you're stressed, when you're bothered, when you're, you know, when you're jittery, when you're, Feel like a panic attack's coming on. Trying to book a doctor's appointment just isn't autism friendly. One 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 is a very methodical approach, but you're not allowed to deviate. So when you're trying to explain, they want you to pick one ailment to talk about. But I had concerns in my chest, dizziness, shortness of breath. And that was just for starters. You know, so it was like, which one do we go with? If I pick on shortness of breath, chances are they look at my lungs. 
if I pick dizziness, chances are they look at my head or in her ear. Um, you know, if I say the pain in my chest, they'll think it's a heart attack and they'll rush me through somewhere. So I don't want to waste people's time and resources. So because they don't give you, you don't reach a point where you can then explain that's a flaw for people with, for everyone, but for people with autism, people like me who don't want to be a burden, it can make you put the phone down. And that's not good. And the A&E process where you're not allowed someone with you because COVID's still knocking about and you've still got to wear your face masks. The amount of people sat in the waiting room who just had their boyfriend or the girlfriend with them or the friend and they're on the phones laughing and, you know, watching videos, giggling away and it's accident and emergency. I'm there because I potentially have got a problem with my heart, which was you know, the final conclusion and what's wrong with these people? And I just think, you know, that the, the, the sort of consideration to have someone with you when you're in a place that you don't know, you're going for these tests that nobody tells you what they're for. And, uh, you know, you just sort of get stuck with a needle without anyone introducing themselves or explaining the process of why and what they're doing. It's just a case of sit down, stick you with a needle and go, right, go and sit back down again. Well, what was that for? It was, it was horrible. It was an ordeal. I am so tired, but it's not even 7 p.m. yet, and I can't go to bed until at least 10 because if I upset my body clock more because I have insomnia, in fact, the insomnia is the blessing right now because I know what it's like to stay awake for days on end. The only difference is I could have slept this time around um, but I will never it'll take me two or three weeks to get my sleeping pattern back if I went to bed now so I've got to force myself to uh you know keep fighting through it um and get there it just wasn't nice guys and girls and everybody else it just wasn't nice and uh I hope that's coming across and I hope if you've stuck in fair play to you but I really hope you appreciate, and I know that's a, a bold thing to say, but I really hope you appreciate what I'm trying to share. It's not the fact that I have a health ailment. It's the fact that the whole design is very upsetting and it's very difficult. I'm an older geezer. I mask in very, very well, but I've been battered by this. Really, really have. You know, and I just can't. Basically, what what I, what I wanted to say is, obviously, this is quite a scary and serious thing, and I just I just don't know if I can commit to making as many videos as I said I was going to do because things have changed now, and I've obviously got to look after my health, of course, but I won't have that freedom of mind to just go. That's a really good topic. I'm going to knock some nonsense up about that. Um, but I know the you know I know good people understand that I just I just don't know what I'm up to at the minute you know and, and I've only just gone back to work really I'm getting a lot of support from my boss there are still some little niggles here and there which I'll talk about one day um, and I was just getting a pattern of getting my work organised again and then this happened and this feels like a massive stumbling block because it's on my terms and it's my fault I'm stumbling if that makes sense. Uh, but I'll, like I say, the, you know, the, 
the guy didn't seem overly fussed because every other function of my heart is absolutely spot on. It might just be the ventricle might not be as strong as it should be. And you can strengthen and you can take medication and yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Won't we? Um, so I'm sorry if this was boring. I'm sorry if I went over the same point a thousand times and I'm sorry if I didn't even make a point, but I know what point I was trying to make. Okay. Um, and just to distract you, there's my gross arm again. Um, but cheer yourself up, go and look at my stupid t-shirts on Redbubble. Link's in the description. I'm not asking you to buy them. Give me ideas. I'll make the t-shirt. It'll help keep me preoccupied while I'm uh, preoccupied. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. And I do appreciate that you do. Um, and I will get back on task soon enough uh, for what you actually tune in for. So thanks again. And until next time, keep smiling.